brought to you by Integravita Wellness. Here is certified health coach A. Gregory Luna with Confessions of an Obese Child. Hello, everybody. This is A. Gregory Luna. You can call me Gregory. Welcome back to Confessions of an Obese Child. I appreciate you returning and listening to another edition of one of my confessions. It means a great deal to me that you're listening to these things because a month ago, this didn't even exist. So it is such a great change in my life that I'm able to blog about these confessions and to be a certified health coach and to help people that are in need who are trying to lose weight and even have a podcast. If you listen to my prologue, I talk about how I was a podcast fanatic my entire life, and it's just amazing that I can go under search under iTunes and I can see my face. When I used to think all these people were like celebrities, like how did they do it? It's amazing. These like special people that came from heaven or something, and now I'm there. And it really doesn't require a lot of work. You just got to get a microphone, maybe a mixer, and then make a picture, and yeah, so... Uh, today is early February 13th, the day before Valentino Day. And uh, I just want to mention a side note. The Grammys were yesterday, and I didn't watch the Grammys because I don't have local television. I just kind of stream them off the, off the cord or whatever they call it, where you don't have cable TV and you just stream off of you know Netflix and Amazon. And like a lot of other people, I only pay for a couple of those, and I just borrow everybody else's credentials to get on to the other one. So... I guess that's the way of the world now, but um, I was checking my news this morning and I, I noticed that the Grammys were last night, so I went to the list of the winners and it's just so funny because I realize how old I am when I look at the winners and how few of these people I recognize. So let's do a quick list of this before we start with the confession here. So Adele apparently cleaned up with 25. Yeah, I'll, I'll mention Adele in a second. Best new artist, Chance the Rapper. No clue who that is. No clue. Best pop duo group performance. Stressed out by 21 Pilots. Crickets are chirping right now. Best country album. A Sailor's Guide to Earth by Sturgill Simpson. Never big into country. Never big into country. Okay. My Church by Marin Morris. Best country solo performance. No idea. Okay, let's get to actually pop music because I know more pop music. Best Rock Album, Tell Me I'm Pretty by Cage the Elephant. What's up with the and all these titles? Chance, The Rapper, Cage the Elephant. Best Rock Song, Black Star by David Bowie. Now, this might be one of those pity awards because he did die last year. And I did hear that Black Star was a good album. And apparently it was Best Rock Performance, too. And Best Alternative Music Album. Wow, they really gave it to him. Well, he's an icon, so why not give it to him? Even if his album maybe was just mediocre or decent, but why why not? Best Metal Performance, Dystopia by Megadeth. Jesus, they're still around. Best Urban Contemporary Album, Lemonade by Beyonce. Yeah, not a big fan of Beyonce, to be honest. Coloring Book, Chance the Rapper, Best Rap Album. No, I do who that is again. Best Rap Song was Hotline Bling. I do know who Drake is, and I do know that song. Yes, Best R&B, don't know these people. Solange won Best R&B Performance. I know that's Beyonce's sister. Let's go down to my music here. Best pop music. The Chainsmokers. Don't know who they are, 
but I did recognize this song, Don't Let Me Down, because I don't listen to radio anymore, because I just listen to, I have Google Play, and I listen to my music there, and then, um, yeah, so I don't know who these people are, I rarely ever listen to the radio, but I did listen to the song, I did recognize them. Best dance electric electronic album. Okay, this is my music. I love dance. I love 80s dance and 90s dance. This was Skin by Flume. No idea who that was. I listened to their music. Eh, it's all right. I, I miss melody. Why can't people have sweeping melodies anymore? Anyways, let's go back to Adele. Hello, one best song. Okay, the writing for it and the best, best record. Not a big fan of Hello. I think the song is overrated. I think when the song came out last November, we were so anticipating an Adele song because it had been a few years since 21 and Someone Like You and Don't You Remember and Rumor Has It, all those great songs off that that album. Uh, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of overblown. The lyrics, the video where, where she's using that antiquated phone. But if you listen to the song, she's a little narcissistic in that she's upset that the guys moved on without her. After she was the one who dumped him, right? It's like, I dumped you, you moved on, now I'm mad, where are you? Yeah, well, you know what? You dumped him, so too bad, move on. I, I do like 25. I think top to bottom, 21 has better iconic songs, like the aforementioned. And uh, Rolling in the Deep is another song I'm not that fond of. I don't, I don't, I don't understand why people like that song. She does have a, a remake of a cover of The Cure's Love Song. The Cure is one of my favorite bands of all time, and I'm not really a big fan of her cover of that either. But in 25, I, I going back to 21, I think the best songs are going to be Don't You Remember, of course, Someone Like You, Rumor Has It, Set Fire to the Rain. Eh. Off 25, A Million Years Ago is great, Remedy's great. Some I Love to Your New Lover is catchy. That's Max Martin. You know, if you know anything about Max Martin, the Swedish producer, he is more number one hits than anybody than the Beatles. The dude has made so many hits behind the scenes for Taylor Swift and going even back to Britney Spears and the Backstreet Boys. Just, just Google Max Martin number one hits and you'd be amazed how many songs this guy has been involved in. He's got something in the 30s. More number one hits and everybody but the Beatles. He's amazing. But he he uh, he produced and wrote co-wrote Semi Love to Tear Semi Love to New Lover, which is a great catchy song. Yes, I think 25 is a more consistent album than 21, but it lacks that great hit. And I am sorry, hello. I think she sings great in it, but musically, lyrically, I I just think it's overblown. I'm sorry. But yes. So that is my take of music coming from a 43-year-old man who probably knows nothing about it. So today we have confessions number eight. Before I begin, you can find me on Twitter, Integravito Well. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me at www.integravita.com. That's integral. Take off the L and add V-I-T-A, which means whole life in Latin, because that's our goal, to bring you whole life, whole body, whole mind, whole life. I am a certified health coach, and I am here to help you. Give me a contact me, give me a phone call, and uh, we can work together. Even if you don't want to hire me, I do offer uh, wellness articles and, and, of course, these blogs. So let's begin. Confession number eight. The Locked Cabinet. 
Emotional eating is part of the repertoire of an obese child, and I was no exception. It was a standard for the majority of my youth and much of my childhood. Now as an adult, I have a better understanding of its inner working. Similar to other impulse control disorders like hair pulling, which is trichotillomania, nail biting, onychophagia, cutting, and all the compulsive activities like shopping and gambling, emotional eating was a cathartic act. It helped release the tension I built during the day from the tumult of being an overweight child, and it provided me momentary relief. This goes back to what I've mentioned before. You know, I think if, if anybody has underlying trauma as a youth and they don't manifest it, it, the body, the psyche needs it to come out in one way or another. So depending on whatever your leanings are, it's going to come out either with food or alcohol or sex or shopping or gambling or hair pulling or eating, you know, inanimate objects like the, the condition called pica. So I would obsess over food all day. In class, I would fascinate over what the gallon of ice cream was doing in the freezer at that moment, or in what stage of production was the McDonald's patty of that Big Mac I was going to eat later was in. It was strange. It was similar to a surveillance camera in the fridge, freezer, or pantry, filming as well as safeguarding my future binge food. I would sometimes daydream about what those cookies would be saying to the tasty treats and how they'd be anticipating my pending ingestion of them. So, yeah, I, you know, it, it, it's odd. Like, I'd, I'd just be sitting in, in like math class and just be like, I, I would just see my, my pint of ice cream kind of in the freezer next to all the other frozen entrees. We ate a lot of frozen entrees in the Luna household. My mother was not the best cook. My dad would used to, to grill burgers or steaks like once a week. My mom would even admit it today, not the best cook. So we like we ate a lot of frozen deal, meals. So I would just like, like, like I said, there's like a camcorder in my freezer. And I would just imagine what the ice cream's doing. Now it's got that little frost over it. Or imagine in the pantry what those cookies are doing. Or I'd be like, well, I know I'm going to go to McDonald's in two days. Or Del Taco when we had Del Taco in Houston. Like, so where is the meat right now? Is it still a cow? Is it being chewed up? Is it having ammonia sprayed on it like a lot of our meat is now? Or is it in the process? Is it a frozen patty in a freezer? Which frozen patty is it? What is it doing right now? Where is the bread in the stage of, of production? This is what I would do instead of like wondering what's the quadratic equation. You know, I always had room in my mind for geography, but the rest of the, the stuff, not really. Once I got home... It was time for what I would call the quote-unquote afternoon snack, but most would call it an all-you-can-eat-esque gorge fest masquerading as a snack. I would eat two or three frozen entrees, three honey buns, and a couple of large bags of chips. I loved frosted honey buns. I liked all those pastries. I was big into zingers. They still make zingers. You can find those mostly at convenience stores, but those are like the Twinkies with the, the glazing on top, with the icing, either vanilla, quote-unquote vanilla chocolate, or that weird strawberry coconut one that they make. I used to love those. And a lot of frozen entrees, as I mentioned. So I would, I, I, as soon as I got home, around 4, I would eat a lot, and then we would eat again a couple hours later. My mom never stopped me. She would mostly say, now, Albertito, do you really want to be eating that much? I would say, shut up, mom, as I binge-watching Voltron, G.I. Joe, and the Transformers. 
And that was like the trio of my shows as a tweenish young teenager. Voltron. Now, they brought Voltron back on Netflix, but that one's all right. It's more for adults. But the original Voltron was great. Voltron, if you don't know, was a Japanese cartoon where six guys would control robotic lions, and each lion had a color red, black, yellow, green. Anyways, they would all merge to create a super robot called Voltron, and then Voltron would, would beat up on the bad guys, robots. G.I. Joe was classic. I think most of you guys who know G.I. Joe was, uh, with Cobra Commander and Serpentor and Dr. Mindbender and Flint and all those guys, Snake Eyes. Great show. And then the original Transformers, which was good too. I think the movies are just horrible, by the way. But This continued for years. My mom never deprived me of the food nor hid the food. After all, I had an older brother who would maybe want to eat some of that tasty junk food. Now, I have two older brothers, but the eldest one was 10 years older than I. So by the time I was about eight, he was gone. He was in college. So I'm talking more about the middle brother. He was still around. Later in my high school years, my parents took action. They decided to lock up all the junk food in a cabinet. They hired a locksmith to put in a lock. This action freaked me out. I needed my food. How else was I going to numb the pain? It reminds me of that Tovlo song, I Habits. Need someone to numb the pain. Well, you're gone. I gotta stay high all my life. Anyways, I like Swedish singers. ABBA, Ace of Bass. These are all Swedes. Robin. Robin's my girl. I love Robin. Oh, my God. If you want great dance music, 2010 Robin, Body Talk. That album is amazing. Call Your Girlfriend. Dancing on my own, indestructible. That girl is amazing. Amazing. Look her up. She's humongous in Europe. She's probably the biggest pop singer, European pop singer in Europe. Here, she really never made it big. I know she opened for Katy Perry on one of the tours, but and she's been on SNL. So, I mean, she's, she's known, but not as well known as in Europe. Well, I got creative. I stole money from my parents. My modus operandi was to steal 5 or $10 here and there from both my parents' wallets when they weren't looking. Both carried around about $100 in their wallet, so they wouldn't notice the inappreciable amount I took. A plan that anecdotally went awry in the classic 90s comedy office space. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I would steal money from my parents. I, I don't know if this was uncommon. I don't know if other people did it as a child, but, uh, you know, when they're not around or asleep, you just take 4 or $5 here or there, and it would accumulate, and so then I could use it to go buy food. But uh, going back to Office Space, it's such a great movie. Mike Judge, who later made all the Beavis and Butthead and King of the Hill uh, shows, uh, he's just amazing. A, a great movie that he did was Idiocracy, where... Luke Wilson is just an average Joe uh, in in today and in, in modern period, and then he's accidentally frozen or intentionally frozen for five hundred years, and he wakes up and he's like the most intelligent person on in Earth or in the United States because everybody's been so subsequently dumbed down by bad breeding. The best part of that movie is the first five minutes of Idiocracy because it shows exactly how the country got to be to that point in 500 years. So it has these two, it has two couples. One is like this intellectual, intelligent, you know, bright couple, college educated. 
and then you have like this white tr- white trash trailer park and so the the the, the smart couple are like we're going to wait a few years to have our first job because we want to get everything settled and we want to get our degrees and the other one it's like this guy Jim Bob and he's you know having a kid in high school and he had another kid in college and he's just having kids with multiple women and then they fast flat they they fast forward 10 years and then the the educated couple's like, well, we're going to wait until our, our business gets going and we're, we're going to wait a couple more years. And then they flash forward or they, they move over to the, the white trash couple and he's just having more kids. And then they go back and forth. And then the rich couple's like, well, now it's, I'm 40 and now I'm infertile. You know, I can't have a kid. And then, and so by the end of that snippet, you see the family tree. So the family tree of the smart couple is zero. They never had children. And the other one, Jim Bob or whatever, had something like 15 kids who are already having kids when they're in high school. And so it, it's so present in that I really see America becoming that way because you know the more educated you are, the less children you have. This goes to countries too. Countries, the poorest countries have the higher, highest rate of natural increase. And then as you go higher up on the stages of development, you have less children. So why wouldn't you see this on a microcosmic level with people when you do? More educated people typically have less children unless you're Mormon or unless you're old school Catholic or maybe Hasidic Jews. You know, those those people still practice their religion and they don't use contraceptives. But typically the richer you are, the less kids you have. So anyways, my judge goes see a great movie, Idiocracy, it's just amazing. I waited until they went out for the night and were ordered two large pizzas from the money I stole from them. From the newly created Domino's Pizza. This was the 80s, so Domino's had just come out. After inhaling it down, because I was a binge eater, remember, binge eaters, we eat fast. Fast, secretive, dispose the evidence. I had to dispose the cartons. The problem was that I couldn't put them in the trash because I'd be exposed. So I had to be pretty creative. I didn't drive yet, so I had to find places in the house. So if I was eating the food and they came home unexpectedly, I would throw the cartons behind the washer and dryer in my closet. If I had time, I'd climb up into the attic and stash them in the back. Classic binge eater, binge eater, right? Just classic. If any of you are binge eaters, you know what I'm talking about, right? You got to eat, but you got to hide it. You got to hide it, right? Like, like the bulimics, right? That's why they vomit. Luckily, I never vomited. I was never a bulimic. I was just most binge eating was my, was my thing. It eventually got to the point where I was running out of stash spots, so one day I took them out to the backyard and burnt them in a mini bonfire. Instead of burning it on the concrete, I did so in the grass, which caused a big burnt mark. I don't know how I explained that to my family. I guess I just told them I just wanted to light some stuff. I remember one particular day when my mother found the cartons in the back of one of the closets. She was likely there because she had her own issues of compulsive shopping and needing places to stash her shame too. Uh, this goes back to the previous podcast of the bra. My mom used to buy clothes and just store them, never open them, and just keep them in the in the bags that she bought them in, and just store them in different places in the house. Uh, that was her way to cope with her anxiety. So she's probably like stashing her new stash of I don't know blouses, and she's like, "What is this? What do I? They're pizza cartons. What?" She brought the cartons out and put them in the trash without saying either a word of sympathy or even admonishment. Nothing. She didn't even address it. I guess she knew what was going on. Let's go back to the cabinet. So they locked the cabinet. The cabinet was a bigger challenge for me. I needed to get into the ding-dongs, the Cheetos, and frosted donuts that laid inside. I wonder if that's lay inside. That lay inside? Laid? Past tense? Laid? Laid? Lane inside? Laid inside. I was never good at lay, lane, and laid in middle school. 
I'd feel them talking to me, urging me to break the lock. They would say stuff like, Don't you want us? We want you. We are lonely here. Yeah, it sounds like, like German, like Hans and Franz. Like, we are here to pump you up. It reminds me of the vegetables left on the plate and the Yo Gabba Gabba classic song, Party in My Tummy. There's a party in my tummy. Go yummy, go yummy. There's a party in my tummy. You know that song? Broby, man. I love Broby. He is my monster. I don't know. What are those on Yo Gabba Gabba? You don't know that show? It's a show on Disney with five monsters and this African-American DJ, DJ Lance. And I mean, I honestly think that the creators of that show were on acid. The whole show is trippy, like a lot of kids shows. I mean, look at the Teletubbies. What the hell were the Teletubbies? There's a son with a baby in it. I mean, that, that that's a creepy show. I remember back in the 90s, Jerry Falwell, who was a big televangelist, megachurch televangelist, he was positing the idea that Tinky Winky was gay, the purple one, because he had the, the triangle on his head and because he was a guy, but he kind of talked in an effeminate manner. And so I remember Falwell, because I was like upper 20s in the 90s, I remember he was trying to ban the Teletubbies. And I'm sure you can go online to YouTube and find like snippets of the Teletubbies where they're doing really weird acts that could be construed as something completely inappropriate. But I think you can find that pretty much in any of these kid cartoons. But Yo Gabba Gabba is great. One of the reasons I like is because their songs are very dancing, very 80s. I think the guys who created that were probably from the 80s. But in, in Party of My Tummy, it's he eats a lot because they talk about the importance of eating and how fun it is to eat. And so he eats all these vegetables and stuff and, and some food and then there's some vegetables that aren't eaten and they're crying like, we want to go, we want to go to the party in your tummy. He's like, okay. And then he eats them and then they go down the stomach, which if you're really food, you don't want to be going to the stomach because it's a sulfuric fiery furnace of hell where you're going to be, you know, destroyed. So why would any food product that was sentient want to go to a stomach and be incinerated? Anyway, I resolved myself to break the lock. The food sang a mellifluous siren song. Eat me, eat me, eat my food. It was as much as a challenge, an act of defiance that impelled me into action as the actual food itself. I found the heaviest item I could lift in the house and kept pounding it on the lock. It eventually opened and it was the sweetest binge. The angels in heaven were singing, but like with the cherubic lithe angels that came out of the Ark of the Covenant in the climactic scene of Raiders of the Lost Ark, the angels turned to demons great movie right we know what we were talking about where, where indy and karen allen's character what's her name in that miriam uh, she had great eyes uh, they were they're tied up and then of course he says close your eyes and then they open the ark the nazis do and then there are all these angels and then they turn to demons and they melt their heads and everybody dies and all that yeah that movie and last crusade great all the nazi indiana jones movies are great temple of doom eh, all right Crystal Skulls, I wanted to gouge my eyes out. So much to the point, that movie was just so horrible. Aliens, really? Spielberg, come on. I still remember there's a South Park episode where the kids in South Park go and see Crystal Skulls and they talk about how, I don't want to be graphic, but they talk about how they felt like they were violated because they saw that movie, if you know what I mean by violated. But it's such a bad movie. But Raiders of the Lost Ark is just great. Oh my God, such a great movie. 
So yeah, the angels turn to demons. So that, that's how it is with binging, right? It's that first bite, that first couple of bites. It's the sweetest thing. There is no description. If you're a binge eater, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's probably no different than if you're a cutter or that first drink when you're, when you're an alcoholic. Uh, it's so sweet. And then as each subsequent bite, it's the law of diminishing returns and it gets less and less. And then if you ingest too quickly, like typical binge eaters, their stomach starts to hurt and then the, 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 the self-loathing starts. You're like, Oh my God, what did I just do? I just binged again. Oh, I hate myself. I hate myself. I hate myself, which then incites the next binge. It's a horrible cycle. My parents expressed anger with my destruction of the log, but they didn't punish me. They never punished or grounded me in my youth. I don't remember my parents grounding any of us three brothers. I think maybe my eldest one, maybe, because he used to go to clubs, dance clubs, and then come back late. Maybe. I I, I was never grounded, not partly because I was just a good kid. You know, I was fat and nerdy, so I wasn't getting trouble going to parties and getting drunk and all that. I wasn't popular at all, so I was a pretty good kid, aside from being occasionally defiant. My middle brother, you know, he was very popular, and he would go to parties and drink and all that, but I don't I don't remember them getting mad at him either. I think they were just very lax in their discipline. They continued to put on the locks and I continued to break them. They endeavored to hide the junk food in other places in the house, and I, like a bloodhound, <laughs> sniffing away, would find them. Yeah, it was just a never-ending cycle until Coach Webster came about. Upon reflection, I wonder why my parents never got angry with me regarding the aforementioned larceny and theft. Were they sympathetic to my plight and knew that I was desperately ill? Did they feel responsible for my obesity and that is why they were so lax in their discipline? Were they distracted by their own pain and issues with which they were grappling? I'm not sure. I really don't know. You know, my mother, as I talk about and why did I become fat, which is at uh, confession one, uh, was suffered from anxiety and depression, and then my father was a functional alcoholic, you know, partly because I think his mother left him when he was very young, and his father was an alcoholic, and so that's how he numbed the pain too. I don't know. They, maybe they were so they they probably didn't know how to deal with me. I mean, they knew I was fat. They knew I was binge eating. They were trying. They were locking up food. They would take me to dietitians and stuff when I was really young. Nothing was working. So I mean, I I don't know what what do you do, you know? And I hope I don't have, I don't have to find that out with my kids, because I think one of the worst things I would imagine is if my children become overweight. I mean that it would be such a horrible thing to see because as these confessions will detail or have detailed so far, growing up overweight is horrible. Now maybe it's easier now because so many people are overweight that the bullying for that has gone away. But in terms of health reasons, it's so deleterious to your health. It shortens your life expectancy because of diabetes and hypertension and all the metabolic diseases. But, Oh my God, I don't know what I would do. You know, I really don't know how I would do because then if you, if you start laying down the law and say, no, you can't eat that, you can't eat that, then they, then they might start secretly eating. You don't want to label food as bad or good. You know, you want to say these foods will make you, like I tell my kids, I'm like, these foods will make you smarter and taller, you know, cause they want to get tall like daddy. Uh, and these foods, they won't make you as smart and tall, so... It's a, it's a tough balance. So I think probably my parents, my parents, of course, loved me, but they just didn't know how to deal with it. They really didn't know. 
So in closing, what I do know is that though I was able to stymie the binge eating during my weight loss years, my senior year in high school, it reared its ugly head in my adulthood with ferocity. And I'll talk about that later. You know, I lost my weight when I was 18, but I continued some form of binge eating from 18 to 38. <laughs> yeah, so that, that those are my later confessions. As I mentioned in a previous confession, these first 30 or so are going to be childhood, and then the next 30 are going to be about dealing with the ramifications of being an overweight child in my adulthood. Thus, and close scene. Confessions of an obese child number eight. So I appreciate you listening to this confession. As always, contact me. I would love to interview you. If you were overweight as a child or you're still overweight, I don't care. I'd love to interview you. Please go and to to my website and read my wellness articles. Post comments on either the podcast comments or post comments on uh the confessions. I just want to hear from you. I just want to hear from you. Just, just reach out and tell me something. All right. Well, that's pretty much all I have to say. My nutrition idea for the day or nutrition tip for the day is it's winter time. Shock the body. This goes back to primal exercise article. The body likes to be shocked. So really hot or really cold. So in the cold, when you go outside, don't wear a lot of layers of clothes. This is an easy biohack. I don't want you to go out naked, but don't wear so many layers of, of coats when it's 20 degrees outside or 30. Go out, take a walk. Night walks are incredible, incredibly good for your metabolism and for your sleep hygiene. And freeze yourself. Go to cryotherapy. Go in those freezing chambers. The body likes to be shocked. You'll burn a lot of calories just by the act of shivering or the body trying to, to warm itself. So that's my little biohack. If you want any other nutritional tips on how to lose weight, go read my wellness articles. So aside from that, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it so much. Hopefully you'll come back to listen to another confession. Please go back and listen to the past confessions. Find what you like. Tell me which are your favorite or least favorite. And please, above all, post a review. Thank you very much. God bless. And I'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Confessions of an Obese Child. Make sure to visit us at www.integravita.com. Leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to our podcast. See you next time.